We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Dynasty Cast, or of his radio, about to be the Blue Wire Network. Week 12 is in the books, and I am joined by the one and only, the goateed man himself, Dan Sanyo. The goateed man himself. Or is it, is it a goatee if they don't connect? Like the, I, I the think to the... I call it my Johnny Depp arc, which isn't like a great thing, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm going to let this grow enough where I can put that one cool little bead in the middle, like Pirates of the Caribbean, and then All say right. like savvy and things like that. Just make sure your wife like isn't in bed like alone for any you know particular reasons. <laughs> I was wondering why it smelled in here this morning. Um, <laughs> all right, week twelve going into week thirteen. Nathan, what do we got on the docket for the day? Today we're gonna do um, very quick newsy notesy, and then we're gonna dive into some rookie report cards. Who's got good grades? Who's got ungraded grades? Who's got bad grades? Um, I know, Dan, you are a stellar student, so uh, you're, you're ready for your report cards. I was a teacher for a few years, um, so we're, we're, we've got our grading stamps ready. Um, but before we get into our grading stamps, uh, let's talk about – I think we've had this bullet point a couple times, but now it's like official news. Aaron Rodgers, his 21-day practice window has opened. Here's the thing, like fantasy slash like, like stats-wise. My – like I'm like 90% sure that by the end of this 21 days, Aaron Rodgers is going to be, you know, healthy enough, quote unquote, to, to play, but the jets are going to be out of it. But the other part of me is that Aaron Rodgers is a psychopath. So mm-hmm. <laughs> like, even if the jets are four games out of a playoff spot, is he actually still going to like throw out two games in week 16, 17? He will play. He'll he'll play at least one and just to be like, hey, I had to give it a go and see. But he also wants to prove a point that at 40, he can do this and make himself look, you know, a, a cut above everybody else. Um, I was always curious how long it took stem cells to to kind of rejuvenate muscles. And apparently that answer is 12 weeks. <laughs> yeah. So uh, is there any, you know, what? First, do you think that it's a lock that he does play in 2023? Yeah, I think it's a lock. I think if it was if it wasn't Aaron Rodgers, I would say you could count just about every other quarterback out, but he's going to try to prove a point. Okay, and then does this like one to two week window, does this create any sort of a selling window in Dynasty or do you think that people like 
it's not a concrete enough window. You don't like if you're trading for him now, you don't even know if you're going to like be playing in week 16, week 17. So are those factors enough to like not have any impact on dynasty value and pretty much or still operating in dynasty wise that Aaron Rodgers is playing in 2024? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think unless you have like a flat earther in your league, you're probably not going to get a lot of value out of Aaron Rodgers right now. But you still have to assume he's going to be here for 2024. Now, if he comes back and that leg falls off because it was put together with, you know, some witchcraft or something, uh, you know, then it's a then it's a different conversation. I think there's, I think at, for the first time in Aaron Rodgers' career, and maybe it's been for the last 12 weeks, but there is significantly more risk than reward at this moment. Now, if he comes back and he is healthy and he looks like Aaron Rodgers of old, which I think is very doubtful coming off of an Achilles in you know, three months. But if that happens, he could skyrocket back up. I and mean, when we watch Brady you know, play for another four or five years at this point, obviously he didn't have the significant injury, but you know, it, there, there is still a potential for that three to five year window. And we talk about that a lot in Dynasty is that three to five, the three to five. There's a chance Aaron Rodgers plays that. Now, is it going to be elite? I would doubt it, but we well, haven't seen haven't him fall seen off. Fall. We've only seen injuries. Yeah, I mean, with Rodgers, in terms of my planning, whether I'm trading for or trading him away, I would still count on a one-year window. But also, you can still do that at his price tag. Like, he's not costing multiple first in a Superflex league. He's not costing more than a late second in a one-quarterback league. So if you, you know, like Aaron Rodgers from a fantasy points perspective – and are interested in buying, I, I will say this. I think that he's cheaper today than he will be in February because, oh, yeah. because you know, February is when we have the, the, the age thing and that, you know, the 21-year-olds are more valuable than the 30-year-olds, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, people will be excited about the incoming rookies. They'll, you know, be fawning over the, the you know, surpri- surprising sophomores. And that's when Aaron Rodgers will be uh, – wait – you said it backwards, but that's, I guess. Yeah. You. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, no, actually, now I'm saying this, don't buy Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's going to be cheap in February. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. I talked myself in a circle there. I knew what you meant when you started that because it, it made sense in my brain that it would be you, you would wait to buy Aaron Rodgers. But uh, I mean, you shouldn't be chasing a couple of games now because, like you said, he will be he will be cheaper uh, in just a couple of months time. And honestly, probably forgotten unless he tears his other Achilles and then comes back in eight weeks this time. So, yeah, I still think I still think there is 2024 value, but I'm definitely not chasing 2023 value. Yep. All right. And then before we get into our rookie report card, we have the reemergence, the return of one Kyron Williams. He had six catches, two receiving touchdowns, 143 rushing yards, 61 receiving yards. Are we fully like the uh, granted? Obviously, it was against the Arizona Cardinals, but like those are the type of numbers that, like, especially a young running back that vaults a young running back to being a top five, top six, top seven running back. Are we buying a continued rise of Kyron Williams? Is is the offseason a scary time for him as he was a day three pick? What what is the check in after this huge game against the Cardinals? Well, I, I mean. I, I at first I wasn't in on Kyron. I thought it was just kind of a product of the system, but he has looked quite good when healthy. 
Um, I, I think he, like he's been be- like much better than everyone else in that backfield, which obviously hasn't been like, you know, a row of running backs, but if it was just like, Oh, it's a product of volume. Like the other running backs getting that volume would have done it, but you know, he's been the only one producing that massive success. And he's been efficient and, and pretty damn efficient and not just like, you know, uh, against bad teams. So I think, I think, there's a chance that Kyron is somebody that can kind of outlive that bad draft capital as a running back, especially on a team that has already been stung by the likes of what ended with Todd Gurley, uh, Cam Akers, and uh, how many other running backs that have come and gone with higher draft capital than a fifth-round pick or guys that were elite and kind of fell off, the Daryl Hendersons, uh, all of these different kinds of guys. So I think Kyron can stick, especially because it's L.A. and they've already made that quarter or that not quarterback, that running back mistake of overpaying, overdrafting, even though Todd Gurley was elite in his day. You know, they ended up spending a lot of money at a position they didn't need to. And and I'm sure Kyron will be due a contract here in a few years and they can let him walk. But I think in this next three years, he very much can be that guy. Uh, I don't think it'll be a full-on, like, 95% bell cow, but that's what he's been doing. So if this sticks, Nathan, he could be an RB1, like, top eight RB. Even though all the names and all the talents, I think, are better, this situation, regardless of quarterback, under, under McVay, with what has turned into a pretty talented, you know, receiving room. There's a chance that he just sticks and continues to put up these gaudy numbers. Yep. He's top five in a bunch of categories, uh, sixth in yards per carry, fourth in total touchdowns, second in PPR points per game, fifth in expected points per game and fifth in fantasy points over expectation. Um, Touchdowns have something to do with that, obviously, but it's also one of those things that that, Rams offense as long as Stafford is playing and is playing okay like that offense is going to be scoring touchdowns and right now Kyron is basically the number two or number three weapon behind Cup and then maybe behind Puka as he evolves and into the next level um but any other thoughts on on Kyron before we head into our rookie report card no I just want to do a really quick pick them with you to see what your preference is here sure Kyron or Austin Eckler I think I'd go Kyron Eckler's falling off a little bit. Kyron or Josh Jacobs? I, I I still lean Jacobs. I think he's much safer. And then I think the next closest there is probably James Cook. That's a toss-up. Where, where are you with that one? I think I lean Kyron, but yeah. I, I can make all of the defense for James Cook on that one because yeah, of I, Josh Allen and the and the Buffalo Bills. Sure, I, I think that one is more so about your your palette for risk, um, because I think that James Cook's floor is very much like satellite back that isn't overly fantasy relevant, but his ceiling is probably like Austin Eckler type, where if he really gets going and gets the receiving work. Um, and he's, you know, showing some of that upside, you know, prior to 2023, James Cook had like really never been even a 10 carry per game guy. He's shown some of that in 2023, which gives me the pause of going Kyron over him. Um, but if I'm looking at my roster, I'm like, I can take a risk. I would probably go Cook over Kyron. 
But if I'm, uh, or sorry, no, I would probably go Kyron over Cook if I could take the risk. If I need the floor play, I think I'd go Cook. Okay. So I, I think what we're saying is Kyron's probably in that RB 14, 15, 16-ish range currently, and he has room to grow. I, I think he can definitely get into that top 10, um, you know, cozied up to the Kenneth Walkers of the world, obviously. Uh, that's a that's a big leap and a tall task, but he, he's looked really damn good doing it so far. All right, let's get into our rookie report card. So we're we're gonna go over we're not gonna go over every single rookie. We're not gonna go over the a lot of the obvious ones. We'll kind of go into some of the more um, ones that have a more of a subjective grading. So we're gonna start off with the quarterback position. Um, and I wrote this grade down, and you can let me know. You can agree, disagree, um, go higher, lower. For Will Levis, I put a B minus. He has had – he came in obviously later in the season, but earned that starting job, had a huge game with the four-touchdown game, has had a couple good games, has had a couple stinkers. But I think that was expected with his profile as like a, you know, high upside, low floor type, you know, young quarterback. So uh, do you agree with the B minus? think he should be higher or lower. What are your thoughts on Levis? I mean, I, I think he's been pretty good, all things considered. You know, I, I'm not saying he's doing C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson things out here, but uh, Will Levis has definitely been better than a couple of the other rookie quarterbacks, who I know one of them will be talking about here in a moment. Uh, hasn't turned the ball over a ton. I, I think he only has a couple of interceptions and a pretty low interception rate on something like 150 attempts. Not crazy touchdown numbers but when you're in that four percent touchdown range on 150 attempts we'll take that uh that it'll it'll come with time you know he's he's still just learning we're five starts or five games into this kid's career and he's looking at the very least serviceable i i don't know that bryce young has looked as serviceable i think there's been more maybe a couple more bright moments of bryce young when he when he's looked like the guy from alabama but I think Will Levis has definitely been more consistent uh, outside of probably the Jacksonville game, I want to say. Even though he did toss a couple of touchdowns, they didn't throw much. It was only, you know, like 15 attempts. But uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, including, you know, the game, that big game against Atlanta, uh, it, it's been fun. I, I, I think he'll I think he'll continue to grow, but I, I think I think. Will Levis, you could even realistically put as a B or even a B plus, just because he's more than likely exceeding expectation for 2023. Yeah, I mean, my thing preventing me from from going to a B or a B plus is a his best game was his first, and he hasn't, you know, exceeded 20 20 points since then, and he has a pair of below 10 10 point games, which is not great from the quarterback position. Um, from an NFL play perspective, he is uh, tw- the 22nd QB in QBR, according to the NFL Static Explorer on Rotoviz. He's promo code RV Radio 2023 for a 10% discount and access to all the tools. We love the, the Static Explorer, so especially at this point in the season, we can look back and see how players are doing. Um, <clears throat> obviously, we, we need more of a sample size with, with Levis, um, but I I do think that his his uh, uh, atmosphere around him is a little bit more conducive to fantasy points at this moment than Bryce Young was at the beginning of the season. Obviously, Bryce Young was, was thrown to the Wolves a little bit starting day one or starting, you know, yeah, day one. Um, but I'll make my Bryce Young excuses shortly. Any any other words on on Bryce, on, on Will Levis? 
No, I, I think I think as we continue to see him kind of grow and, and get his stronghold here in the NFL, I, I think he'll be okay. I don't know that he'll ever be, you know, a, a top end quarterback. I don't think he'll have that ascension of the Josh Allens, but I, I think he can just be a stable, you know, run of the mill starting quarterback. All right. Next one we have Bryce Young. I am giving Bryce Young a D. Um, and the only thing that's stopping Bryce Young from getting the F is that I think that he has not had a conducive environment to scoring fantasy points or even being any sort of a good NFL quarterback. The only problem is I think that his biggest thing holding Bryce Young back is his owner. <laughs> like yeah. uh, his owner, you know, the, the, the rumors out there are that the, uh, the owner wanted Bryce Young and the <clears> – <throat> And the coaching staff wanted C.J. Stroud, and that's was one of the impetus towards Frank Reich being fired early, um, along with several offensive staff members. So, do you think that the the shift in coaching staff has a chance to salvage the end of the season for Bryce Young? Do you think this is a completely lost rookie season? Um, I, you know me. If there's a high draft capital guy that's disappointing early on, I'm gonna fall for the bait of buying them, whether for the better or worse. So I'm going to be heavy buying Bryce Young over the next few weeks, especially if he continues to struggle. But also, I I did try to buy Bryce Young a couple weeks ago for like, you know, mid to late first prices, and people weren't selling. So I don't even know. Like, I think that a lot of the Bryce Young detractors just don't have Bryce Young. And that's probably that's probably fairly true. I, I do think that he's, he's probably priced about right. You know, right now he, he's in that kind of Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Brock Purdy in that range at like mid QB two. Uh, but I, I think as just like strict value goes, he'll be cheaper when they see that it wasn't Frank Reich. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I struggle with this one too, because there's a really good chance he does exactly what Tua did because Tua looked super underwhelming. Tua looked, like he was just lost out there and then started getting injured. We haven't gotten there with Bryce yet, but I don't want to say that seems like the path, but I can see him doing a Tua like build up or maybe a crash and then build up where it really falls off a cliff quickly and then all of a sudden comes flying back. I, I do think that Bryce is going to need some good coaching, not to say that Frank Reich wasn't it, but having that split of this is the quarterback we wanted versus this is the quarterback you get. That's always tough to overcome. Well, in terms of if there's any sort of two comparison, the one unfortunate part is I don't think that Jalen Waddle or Tyree Killer are walking through the Carolina <laughs> right. doors anytime time soon, which has been a huge, uh, you know, reason for the, you know, rocket ship that has been Tua in the early part of his career. Um, but I do think that there's going to be an increase in level between having Jonathan Mingo and Adam Thielen being your top two wide receivers to like literally anything else. I know that they'll spend some money in free agency. I know that didn't really go spectacularly with, with DJ shark, but Thielen's been good for a veteran, um, but still not, you know, something that a guy that you want, like your young wide receiver, young quarterback to be, have as, as wide receiver one. They're going to improve the wide receiver position somehow, whether it's through trading, through drafting, through free agency, they have to do it. Like they can't go into next season with the, the trio of, of Thielen, Mingo and Chark. Um, so 
Yeah, I, I'd be buying Bryce Young on the the concept of next year being much better. Yeah, I agree. I'm 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 anticipating a come up, uh, but I, I still think there's worse to come, unfortunately. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. All right, let's move on to Bijan Robinson. This is... Uh, one of probably two grades on this report card that really have nothing to do with the player themselves. Uh, Bijan Robinson, I, I gave this is purely based on expectations. I gave Bijan Robinson a D plus. Um, he did have a big week in week 12, um, but he has had several low volume weeks, whether it be due to headaches, illness, or incompetency from the head coach. Um I know that you have been fading these these Falcons weapons because of the the lack of of quality coaching. So, what what do you think of, of Bijan Robinson's uh, season so far? This this start is really like giving me flashbacks to Percy Harvin, where the inept coaching and personal stuff in the headaches, the whatevers. Um, cutting a career short for somebody that was very clearly elite. Bijan is very clearly elite and you're dealing with a, a head coach that has absolutely no idea what he's doing out there running plays for anyone but his studs. And I, I get the quarterback is, uh, is a problem that they, they don't have one currently. However, you can make the quarterback's life a hell of a lot easier by just using your weapons instead of giving Johnu Smith 15 targets. I love Johnu Smith. When you have Kyle Pitts, B. John Robinson, and Drake London, if anybody but those three is leading the team in touches, you've got real problems. So I this is the Atlanta being Atlanta has been the issue for me since Matt Ryan's last year. When everybody started to boost up Calvin Ridley. And we were all thinking it was going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. Well, you guys all were thinking it was going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. And Calvin Ridley was like wide receiver three. And I said, not so fast. The old Lee Corso. 
this this was almost inevitable because of the hype that it got, especially with Arthur Smith, who very clearly doesn't get it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Bijan quality for just when he's on the field. Hey, problem is, is he's barely on the field because of Arthur Smith. But also, I do think that there is a degree of sticker shock, I think, with this. Because Bijan Robinson hasn't, looking at his stat lines, hasn't actually been that bad. He has one, two, three, four. He has five RB1 weeks. 45% of his games have been RB1. And that includes a percentage with the fact that he didn't really play the Tampa game. So, yeah, I, I think that we might have overstated how bad his rookie season has been as a fantasy community. Um he is at um, uh, tw- uh, RB12 in PPR points per game, 17th in expected points per game, 23 in, at expect, uh, fantasy points over expectation per game, 10th in yards per carry. Um, so I, actually, I'm, I'm, you know, doing a little teacher. I'm, I'm erasing. I'm no, 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 no D plus. I'm giving him a C. He, no, he has because where he was, piece. it doesn't matter where he was drafted and his actual output four or five RB1 games isn't good when you're drafted as the RB4 or five. That's not how that works. That's Bijan has been going, the, his prices are absurd. And he was drafted in the NFL at a ridiculous spot for a running back. He should be playing every snap of every game, getting every touch possible. And that hasn't happened. And he very clearly is good enough to do it. Arthur Smith is inept. He'll hopefully be fired. Currently, I don't. I don't think I. The highest I could go on Bijan is a C minus. That like, just because he has been good when he actually gets the ball, but there has been no signs from Atlanta that Arthur Smith is gone, and he should have been fired two years ago. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to uh, some some wide receivers. Yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who has not quite been the rising star that many were expecting uh, as the you know Seahawks wide receiver three. I'm personally crediting that a lot to the regression or inconsistency from one Geno Smith. I'm I, I'm giving Jackson Smith and Jigba a C minus um, on the season so far. He is 121st in fantasy points over expectation. He is 63rd in expected uh, points per game. Um, he does have a a, the 10th best racer score. Um, so we have that going for us. Um, 46th in targets, 45th in receptions. So I, I wouldn't say he's been o- underwhelming. I just don't think that he's been like a, a lot of times when we have like a top ranked wide receiver like Jackson Smith and Jigba, he does get hurt by the breakout performances of a guy like Tank Dell. It's like, oh, I could have had Tank Dell around later, but I got Jackson Smith and Jigba, but Tank Dell is doing XYZ. They've effectively turned him into Jarvis Landry, unfortunately. He's, it's, it's all dink and dunk. They're not taking any shots. Uh, aside from this last week against the Niners, I think he had one catch of like 30 yards, and I think that was his second one on the season, maybe third one on the season. The problem is, is all of his targets are, I mean, they're like six to eight yards. It's every target. Um and can he make more plays? Yes, but they they need to use him differently. They need they need to put him outside. You should just have Tyler Lockett play speed slot. Instead, they have JSN playing the small ball stuff. And I get it's Geno Smith, but when you have DK Metcalf, JSN, and Tyler Lockett, there's no reason you should be playing small ball. You should be able to just pick pieces, people apart with your three 
amazing weapons, not not even including the backfield. So plus you have Noah Fant. Uh, yeah, th- this has been a weird one because I, I still I, it's very clear that the ability is there as an as just a pure wide receiver. This is just Pete Carroll trolling us, I think. And we, we really need Tyler Lockett to not be there anymore because Seattle is is probably never going to be able to prop up three wide receivers. DK is obviously not going anywhere. They bring in JSN to be his counterpart. Uh, so hopefully this is the end of the road for Tyler Lockett. But again, all all signs are pointed to Pete Carroll trolling us. All right, let's move on to Rishi Rice, who I think has been one of the more surprising guys. Obviously, the, the, it's been kind of open season with the Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers over the last few years. And back during rookie season, once Rishi Rice was selected by the Kansas City Chiefs, I was like, nope, I'm not doing this again. I'm not doing another day two wide receiver, whether it be, you know, the Canadarius Tony draft pick, the Sky Moore. Um, I know there's another one that I'm forgetting, but McCall we've done Hartman. so McCole Hardman, there's so many of these day two wide receivers that the Chiefs draft and don't end up doing anything. That does not seem to be the case with one race you write. Yeah, then you, you know, you mentioned those other guys. This is the first time when they've taken one of those guys that I actually thought he was a good wide receiver and paired up really nicely with Patrick Mahomes because Patrick Mahomes can fit it into really nice small spaces and Rashi can win those 50 50s. Uh, and again, we, we've got a breakout week this week. He goes 10 targets, eight catches, 107 and a touchdown. He's caught a few touchdowns throughout the year, never topping more than 72 yards. So getting him over that century mark is awesome. His catch rate has been elite, uh, dare I say. I mean, been probably better than most thought. I've been on board since the start, I think, but he's, he's catching the ball at like an 80% clip, which running backs do not, you know, not main wide receivers playing outside. So, uh, yeah, I think sky is tr- not, not sky more, but Rishi Rice's sky is truly the limit being paired with Patrick Mahomes for another three years. And we'll see what happens after that. I do still think they, they need a more prominent speed option to pair with him. Because Sky Moore, McCole Hardman, all of those guys aren't it. Travis Kelsey's slowing down. It's getting probably towards the end of his career. Uh, but with Patrick Mahomes, you don't need to go get all the big names. You just need to find guys that can catch the ball and run the routes. Because Patrick Mahomes will get the ball where you need it to be. So, yeah. And Rashi, for me, honestly, could be a touch higher. The numbers haven't been crazy. But we really haven't seen heavy usage until this week against the Raiders. So I think this is kind of the the start of this next chapter for Rishi Rice. Well, a lot of times we see this with the rookie wide receivers where the first half of the season starts a little slow. You get a little transition in the middle, and then all of a sudden, boom, they pop. Uh, I would love to see Rishi continue to do this. Speaking of guys with high racers, uh, uh, Racy Rice, number two in racer. He's got uh, 19th fantasy points uh, over expectation. Um, does have 50. So that this actually I don't know, obviously it indicates that he's outperforming expectations. His expected points per game, he's 58th. Fantasy points over expectation, he's 19th. Means that he's had limited opportunities, but he's doing something with them. So um, I think that the key for his long-term value is for those opportunities to increase, which I think they will due to him just being that much better than the weapons around him. Yeah, and it's yeah. not even really 
necessarily close. Where where would you have him in the the like the rookie scheme of wide receiver rankings? Do you think do you think he's up there with you know Puka and Tank Dell? Do we think he those guys have exceeded Zay Flowers at this point? I'm st- I'm still shy on Puka a little bit rankings wise. Like I wouldn't put. I don't know. I I think yeah I think he would, I would put put Rishi Rice with Puka. Like I, I don't think that Puka or Rishi belong in the Tank Dell, uh, Jordan Addison, and Zay Flowers conversation. Where would you have you- JSN in that? Above above Rishi and Puka, but like, but barely. Okay, so you would have JSN in the four range, and then uh, Zay at probably two, Tank at three. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay, uh, you know, I'm I'm honestly I'm on board with that. And and you mentioned Jordan Addison, who uh, next up on our report card is Jordan Addison. We're giving him an A. I mean, he he's been good with or without Justin Jefferson on the field. Aside from this last week against the Bears, he was actually really bad, but so was the whole team. Uh, kind of a nice surprise. I, I think the big question surrounding Jordan Addison was the size and speed combo. We knew he was smooth, and it's kind of turning into the Devonta Smith thing where, well, can he hold up? Can he be... That that guy, we know that the the smoothness, the skill is there. We've seen him do it, but uh, underwhelming coming in, and all of a sudden, here he is. W- was this at all a surprise to you? Do you think Jordan Edison could be an A plus, or do you think he's just a strong A because he does have some inconsistent performances? Well, I think that a lot of the inconsistent performances can be attributed to A. He lost like the guy who was drawing you know, some attention away with Justin Jefferson and B he lost more importantly, the pass heavy Kirk cousins. Like when you go from Kirk cousins, who's throwing the ball 50 times a game to Josh Dobbs, who's like, okay, I need to throw this as little as possible. Um, <laughs> it can definitely impact some things. So um, I think that Addison's lack of an A plus has little to do with him and more to do with the outside factors. Um, but he's been very good both with and without uh, Justin Jefferson. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, he's, He's in the widers, not wide receiver one overall, but he's in a, a top 12 spot for me at the very least. Uh, I, I don't know. We can go crazy high with Jordan Addison yet. Do you, I mean, are, are you making any like big leaps with him? I, I know there's a lot of question marks because we don't know if Kirk Cousins is coming back. We would assume we would hope for all fantasy land. Uh, but is, is Jordan Addison going to be, Ahead of you know your Stefan Diggs, your Tyree Kills, is he going to be in that eight to ten range for you? Yeah, probably. Um, I I think that he definitely has room to grow. Like, there's very few scenarios in the Vikings offseason where things get worse. Um, the only way things get worse if like they're like, oh, like Josh Dobbs is the future or Jaron Hall is the future. Um, whether it's Kirk Cousins, where it's a whether it's a first round quarterback, whether it is them them bringing in a veteran, like I I see them bettering their current situation at quarterback, which should help the the stock of one Jordan Addison. So um, I think that his price will rise, and I'm I'm fine buying high here. Yeah, I I think I'm I'm on board with you there. Uh, let's talk about everybody's favorite position, Nathan. Uh, center. 
<laughs> I was thinking Jason, left Jason, guard. Jason Kelsey, you know, New Heights and Trade Castles, the two big podcasts this year. There we go. You know, you have a striking resemblance to Jason Kelsey. Uh, <laughs> tight end, everybody's favorite position. Uh, we had a good class, and and they've been, well, a couple of them have been pretty damn good. Uh, one Sam Laporta, Detroit Lions, that offense has, I don't know if it's been surprising, but it's been very good. We're giving Sam Laporta an A+. Plus. He he has quickly risen to the top. Nathan, are, are we are we considering Sam Laporta as time goes on for that number one spot in the tight end world? Yeah, I, I don't think that that's crazy at all. Going back to surrounding environments, things like that, that that is the one that I think could like the Lions' quarterback position could get worse. Uh, they 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 haven't signed Jared Goff to a long term deal. They could, and we'll I'll, I'll bring it up briefly. They could end up going Henry Hooker, which I think might end up being terrible. Uh, for, or for really good, second. really exciting. It would be really bad for Sam Laporta. <laughs> um, but I think tight end wise, you look at his production right now, his age, and the current offense he's in. There's little reason to not have Sam Laporta as tight end one. Uh, I'll get, well, I have one reason is TJ Hawkinson, but I, I I'm there with you. If TJ Hawkinson wasn't 26, if he was 28 or 30, like Mark Andrews, then yes, it's Laporta. But I don't think that's a huge enough gap. And I, I don't think TJ Hawkinson is going anywhere anytime soon. He's, he's very clearly the best tight end in football right now. Um, but Sam Laporta is only 22, which we don't get a lot of from tight ends coming into the league and producing like this right away. I mean, Dalton Kincaid's 24, so you shouldn't have those two in the same sentence, even though Kincaid has also been very good. Uh, I have Laporta above Pitts, no question. That guy, Josh Allen, though, which helps. True, but Kincaid has looked actually pretty solid. I don't know that his, any any tight end friendly location for Dalton Kincaid would have been good, in my opinion. No, sure, sure. More so when you're comparing Laporta and Kincaid, the one like, check mark in the favor of Kincaid is he has Josh Allen and Laporta has a question mark. Sure. All right. So we know Laporta has been elite. We've talked about Kincaid in the past and we know he's been pretty darn good as well. The one guy that's kind of been missing in action is Michael Mayer. Is this a product of Vegas or is this Michael Mayer not being able to win that that's playing time? Well, I think we see this so often with the guys who are, you know, drafted as quote unquote good NFL tight ends. Guys who can block, guys who can do a lot of things, and Michael Mayer is is attributed as that. And so I think that the Raiders aren't using him as like the same pass. We- I mean, they, I don't think I know they aren't using him as the same pass weapon as Laporta and Kincaid because he has those skills elsewhere. And also that offense has just been mediocre to a mess. So he d- he does have three P- P- three PPR point, point three PPR point games above ten which is solid, a five-catch five, five catch for 75. He's got a three-catch for 19 and a touchdown. Um, I don't think any of us were expecting 2023 to be a huge year for Mayer regardless. I think that Kincaid and Laporta were both in, in better situations uh, short-term because of their skill set and because of their offenses. Uh, so, I mean, I'm giving Michael Mayer, uh, I'm giving him a D for 2023, but I'm not blaming him, and I'm saying I'd be buying if anyone else is also grading him a D. He has a chance for some extra credit in 2024 and moving on up. Speaking of extra credit, we've got a couple of ungraded guys that, with some work, can be highly graded or maybe they stay ungraded. Nathan, give me somebody we didn't talk about that you think would 
kind of be at an incomplete stage right now that has a chance to be special. Yeah, one guy that I think has been interesting, he has had a couple of splashes, nothing like substantial, obviously, but a guy who we're talking about offenses that are evolving, offenses that are changing, Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt has a couple of huge, low, low volume, huge uh, yards per reception games. He has a two catch for 89 yard game. He has a two catch for 75 yard game and a five catch for 109 yard game. So three games with above uh, 20 uh, yards per catch. And he really has been non-existent outside of those three games. So, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, him being a best ball asset based on his statistics at Tennessee and the offense that he was going into. But are the Giants a team that are primed to have a better quarterback to 2024, 2023? And, and could that, you know, result in a higher upside for Jalen Hyatt? Well, they've coach speaked their way into Daniel Jones at this point. I certainly hope it isn't Tommy DeVito uh, or any of the other options. But contractually, I, I would guess it's Daniel Jones. And is that better? Then Tommy, yes, it's better, it's better than Tommy DeVito. But I'm also is it? Saying, I think that they are in there's so many of these teams that are are picking between like four and 12 that like, if you're picking four, like you have a shot at whoever you think is the QB three, you're picking 12. You're probably out of the quarterback sweepstakes for, for like, you know, day one type starters. So giants are in that realm of like, they're probably not getting QB one or two. Could they get QB three? And I think if they can get QB three, I think they're drafting QB three. Yeah, I mean, they're going to end up falling in that, like, Michael Penix, Bo Nix range, I think. Uh, but we'll we'll see. We'll see how that all falls. Um, I, I think I think there's been definitely the fun splashes with Jalen Hyatt but, Hyatt, but he's kind of doing what I expected him to do and, and be mostly non-existent but have the flashes. Uh, speaking of mostly non-existent and having flashes, the guy I've always loved and, and we've talked about before, but... He's got to go ungraded currently only because we didn't mention that in the same breath as the Michael Mayers and uh, the B. John Robinsons. I've got to say that Marvin Mims is that guy for me. He, for whatever reason, isn't getting on the field. Maybe it's because he's one of the youngest players in this class. He still is only 21 years old. Uh, that, that could be something from Sean Payton's perspective that uh, he's not ready. He's not, he's not mentally strong enough or he, his body's not there, whatever. Uh, we know Sean Payton loves the guys that he loves, but he's also not super keen on the rookie business. So I think what's, Marvin what's Mims could ascend big time. What's about Marvin Mims is that he had a couple of good games early. He had a two catch for 113 in week two. And he had a five catch for 73 in week three. And then he hasn't eclipsed three catches since then. And the Broncos have won one, two, three, four. Broncos have won five straight games. And in those five games, Marvin Mims has five catches. He has been a part of their receiving game. He has been getting a couple of carries for whatever that's worth. Uh, but the fact that the Broncos offense has been uh, accelerating and Marvin Mims hasn't been a part of it has been frustrating for someone who likes Marvin Mims. Definitely. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's been that's been kind of tough. But I, I mean, when you have Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, I mean, you got to start with those guys. I get that. Uh, Sean Payton's always going to lean towards his vets in, in those situations. But I think down the stretch, we'll see more Marvin Mims. 
that's maybe wishful thinking. Uh, but we have seen the signs of it, much, uh, similar to Jalen Hyatt. So I don't know how it can get worse going forward unless Russ decides to up and retire. That's, or maybe that's better. Maybe that's better for Marvin Mims. Uh, but I think at this point, I'm just kind of holding my ground with Marvin Mims. I, I still, I would still take him over Quentin Johnson every day of the week. Uh, not, not even questioning that one. Probably still taking him over the Josh Downs. Probably in the same breath as the Reishi Rices, but maybe you know that you leave a gap in there before you get to Reishi. So, uh, yeah, that's my that's my ungraded. Next, we have Roshan Johnson. He's a guy who I thought good coming into the season, like okay, that that Bears backfield is a mess. He has a, the opportunity to do something, um, and it's kind of taken some time. He did have a, a season high, uh, ten carries. He had five catches. So he's finally coming on into potentially being the RB1 in this offense. I think of these ungraded guys, like I don't think Hyatt is going to do anything appreciably that matters the rest of the season. I don't think Marvin Mims can do anything appreciably that matters. Roshan Johnson is the one guy here that I think if he continues to get, you know, 10 carries and five targets in a game, that could result in a huge boost in dice value. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he definitely can. I know that there was a lot of hope for that, I, I just I look at this backfield and looking at these the three guys. To me, he looks very clearly third best. I, I don't I don't think he's anywhere near Dante Foreman, just as a a pure runner as that actual running back. And I don't think he's as explosive or or you know pass catch friendly. Even though he has done that and looked pretty good at doing it. He has not been as efficient as Khalil Herbert. Uh, so I, I think in a best-case scenario, he turns into the perfect combination of Dante Foreman and Khalil Herbert because that makes those guys obsolete. But I don't think he's better at either thing than those two guys, which is why he's kind of third fiddle currently. I think Foreman is your better guy between the tackles. I think Herbert is going to be your better pass catcher. And Roshan has been getting actually more targets. He's played more games than Herbert, but he's caught 24 of his 28, but for essentially the same amount of yardage as Clear Herbert's 14 catches. So 10 more catches, 28 more yards. Not great. Um, but again, product of, of the targets and, one of them played more with Tyson Pageant. The other played more with Justin Fields. One of those guys is an NFL quarterback, and the other is a son of a famous arm wrestler. Uh, <laughs> so I I don't dislike Roshan Johnson. I just I, I think that there's a bigger leap that he has to make in order to stand out from these other two guys. Even though the other two guys aren't definitely aren't long term options, he's just not better than either one of them at either thing yet. All right, let's wrap up the show. We 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 mentioned him uh, very quickly earlier. Hennon Hooker has not played at all this year, um, which was to be expected after the late college football season injury. Um, the more important potential news is that Jared Goff has not signed that extension yet. Uh, do you think that's a, a product of Goff is just waiting for the offseason and the Lions are waiting for the offseason? Or do you think there might be smoke where there's fire where – you know, Goff might not be the long-term quarterback in, with Detroit. I think there's a good chance that Detroit really likes Hendon Hooker. Uh, we see that that kind of late surge 
from him in college, his last couple of seasons where he throws 60 touchdowns to five interceptions, uh, about 6,000 yards on just over 600 attempts. So doing that in the SEC, obviously, it, you know, being with Vatek in the ACC for as, you know, his, his redshirt sophomore and, and junior year, that was, he didn't look like the Hendon Hooker we saw at Tennessee. I, I think Tennessee brought the best out of him. And keep in mind, this was a guy that was going to be a first-round pick, like a locked first-round pick. Maybe not one, two, or three, but he was a locked first-round pick, gets injured, falls to the third because of what you know was viewed as the severity of the injury. If he can come back and the Lions love him like it seems like they love him, I, I mean, sure, it could be really bad, but Hendon Hooker has way more upside than what Jared Goff brings to the table, in my opinion. I don't, I, I don't know about that, simply because Hendon Hooker is like almost Jared Goff's age, uh, not really, but um, I think that Hendon Hooker's accelerated age does hamper like the concept of Hendon Hooker being a, a long-term, you know, uh, QB one. Jared Goff is under contract for 2024, um, but if that if that is the the plan to like leave Jared Goff on this one year deal and have Hendon Hooker play out, you know, his second year as the backup, you know, both Goff and Hooker could play themselves into being the QB one of the Lions. Yeah, and and there's a there's a world where we see both of them in games together. We could see Hendon running packages or you know, doing the the quarterback option thing with two quarterbacks and one of them throws and one of them runs or whatever. I mean, we, we've seen that with some of these teams that have two quarterbacks that, that have different skill sets. Goff is your pocket down the field guy. Hendon, I mean, he, he can do all of the things that Goff can do. He's just maybe not as polished, even though polished probably isn't the right word for Jared Goff. Um, and the accelerated age to me, I, I mean, that's tough. But at the same time, I, I think that makes him a little bit more mature and a little bit more stable to make that jump into the NFL, where a lot of times we see these guys that are 20, 21, still kids instead of 23, 24 actual, you know, <laughs> adults existing in, in the world. Uh, so, uh, so it's, yeah, I don't love losing a couple of years to age, but I still think that Hendon Hooker can bring something to Detroit, especially considering the weapons that they have. You have Amon Ra, you have Jamison Williams, who's still TBD, Sam Laporta, and Jameer Gibbs. Like, what a better situation to roll into. Yeah, no, the the upside for whoever the quarterback is, whether it continues to be Goff, whether it's Hennon Hooker or elsewhere, there is, in talking about just like Jared Goff, dynasty value potential. Also, if the if the Lions wanted to, which I did, I don't think it'd be, I think Goff has now played his way and the quarterback market has played its way into Goff now being worth his contract. Like when he signed this contract with Los Angeles, like it was an overpay. And now him at $26 million a year is, you know, makes sense. But he did this year, he does go from 35 million in dead cap to 5 million, which means like theoretically, I don't see this being the case, but if they wanted to trade him, or cut him, it's much more feasible with a $5 million dead, dead, hit, dead cap hit than a $35 million one. 
Yeah, and I mean, there's going to be teams that are going to be needing quarterback, uh, especially when Matthew Stafford retires. Imagine if Detroit traded him back to the Rams for, for <laughs> draft capital. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Jared Goff has played his way into another contract. He's 29 years old. I mean, he'll be playing all of 35, uh, whether that's all starting time or, or you know, he transitions to a backup role. But there's plenty of teams that still have a need at quarterback. There always will be. And... I think both of these, I mean, you know, wishful thinking to get Hendon Hooker into a starting job, I, I think. Um, not, not an, a, you know, an amazing start to a career and not an ideal situation to becoming off a major injury at 25 years old into what should be a really great situation. But, you know, we'll, we'll see on Hendon Hooker. Obviously, uh, it all will come with time. But, uh, you know, going back to the Jared Goff bit, He's played his way into being a starting quarterback into this league where for a little while there, especially with the Rams, we weren't sure. We didn't think maybe he was the guy and it was all McVay. I think Jared Goff has enough talent to to be a starter in the NFL long term and, and play until he's 35, 36. All right, that should wrap us up for our rookie report card with also a sprinkle of Jared Goff talk. Any last words, Dan? <laughs> Send us home. All right, that's your episode for this week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Kadoosh! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.